It is Tuesday, December 5th, 2017. I'm here with Michael. My name's Anthony, and this is Time Lapse, the podcast where cars and watches are the focus, but tangents are sometimes the reality. So let's go. Well, Mikey, uh, we're here on a uh, on a Tuesday. Look. Yeah, it's a little a little bit late this week. Yeah, a little bit different for us again. You know, well, no, no, not really. Kind of, kind of half the time where we've done two episodes that's, on the date, and that's this true. Is now we've the only, second off. Yeah, we've only been on track fifty percent of the time, but yeah. these are growing pains, uh, like there is with any fantastically great thing. Yeah. Um, which, whatever. But we're hoping to uh, continue, I guess, to provide you guys with weekly content. Oh, yeah. There's, it's definitely yeah. going to be every week. It's 100%. just, um, it's ultimately a hobby mm-hmm. and real life governs that. Exactly. So we're here on a Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, you know, got the got the club going up on a Tuesday. Shout out to our Canadian brethren, Drake. Or is that is that a party next door and Drake song? I, I don't know. Okay. Drake. All right. Well, those are my music tastes, I guess. Anyway, what's new in the world of cars and watches, since that's what Time Lapse is really about. We still love Drake, though. Uh, Low-key. Uh, Mikey, what's what's new in these worlds? What's going on? Um, club going up on a Tuesday. Oh, we're still on this. Is I love McConnon. Mackinnon? That's what it was. I love Mackinnon. Yes, never mind. Not Party Next Door. A Party Next Door... Uh, rip off and you know what let's just let's just call it uh an end to this tangent let's move how, back on i'm kind of curious how does the song go i think he is with ovio though yeah he must be oh yeah so many good memories to this song you remember this don't you i don't know let's find out oh yeah on a tuesday okay yeah we're turning that off oh my god i mean you you have to expand your musical palette uh, I think my musical palette is very, very expensive. Listen, if you're driving through the city in your Maybach. Uh, don't you mean the six? The six, the six, mans. Uh, if you're driving through the city, sorry, in your Rolls Royce Wraith like Drake is, you got this song playing when you're driving through it on I, a Tuesday. I saw him in his uh, Wraith before. You actually saw him in his Wraith? Yeah. Wow. I wasn't impressed. I really didn't care. He's actually used that Wraith in a couple of his album uh, artworks. You see the um, oh, yeah. that gal is it a galaxy headliner? I forget what they call it. Yeah, with all the, the little star, stars the star in the light. universe, whatever. Uh, but anyway, so let's finally put uh, let's stop beating this dead horse of a tangent and let's move on to mm-hmm. uh, let's move on to what's happening in the world of cars, Mikey, and some very uh, exciting uh, news. I guess you can very, not really news. Very prestigious awards. We're yes. Given. Uh, Motor Trend has released their car, truck, and SUV of the year. For and, those, uh, and person. And person. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, if you're a car guy, I'm, I, I don't think you're really into who's the automotive person of the year. Mm-hmm. But um, a little bit of background about Motor Trend. They've been doing this since 1946, at least for the for cars, the cars and, for the car and for segment. The, I think I think they said the 50s for the trucks. Yes. SUV is obviously newer. Which I was really surprised that it was going on for that long. Yeah, yeah. I, but I think that just adds to the to what it means to be called Car of the Year, you know, because it, it goes back yeah. so long. There's mm-hmm. some definite, definite heritage there. And I think if there's going to be one um, editorial company out there to do uh, a test like this that has weight to it, Motor Trend is going to be the one because 
everyone knows who Motor Trend is. Right. Motor Trend car and driver tend to really. Yeah, they're kind of the, the, the standard in testing yeah. and reviewing. Yes, of course. So, so they released their uh, SUV, truck, and car picks of the year. And uh, we want to give you guys a little bit of insight as to what we think about their picks. Um, I guess we'll start with SUV of the year. Yeah, sure. Do you do you actually have a list of the finalists? Because there were what thirty. There were quite a number. Thirty-five to thirty-seven. Yes, I think. yes. And Total. I'm I'm just trying to see here. Motor Trend likes to do this thing on their website where they're very clickbaity. So they don't just give you a list. They instead link you to articles, what seem like tens of of different articles about the um, the best SUVs of mm-hmm. the year, and. Um, what made the short list here? Just trying to see. Well, I can start us off. We've got the uh, beautiful Italian Alfa Romeo Stelvio. That's right. And this is non-quadrifolio form. Yeah. Which, this is just base. Yep. Yeah. And if you guys don't know what that is, of course, quadrifolio being the performance variation of uh, of the Alfa Romeo lineup. So you see it with the Giulia. Imagine the AMG or the M division mm-hmm. for uh, Mercedes and BMW, respectively. But uh, yet they had the Stelvio there. I see here a Subaru Crosstrek, um, Volvo XC60. Quick thing about the XC60, where does that fall in the lineup? That's their mid, their mid-range SUV. Or size? Um, I think it's like their Q5 fighter. Mm-hmm. It's like that kind of size. So like a mid-size SUV. I, yeah. I would guess I would call it. Because mm-hmm. the the XC90 is the big the big boy yeah. the one that's like and you now can price I mean, out into the one hundred and fifty thousand dollar range. Well, uh, I think like one tw- one twenty okay. uh, Canadian. Can- oh, you're Which right, yeah. at that point they're saying, "Hey, Ranger, we're we're, we're competing with we're you." We're knocking guys on now, your yeah. door and with our Swedish Swedish fists and our crystal shift knob. <laughs> yeah, that was oh, so weird. But they've been known for weird shift knobs. Remember the uh, remember the old what was it? Um, what's their sedan? I think it's the S60. Yeah, like S60. that was their like top one, I think, at the time. And one of their shifters was just—it was a ball, like a, they called it the magic ball, I believe. Oh, really? Yeah. So there's no gates, uh, and there was no leather. It was a shift knob that went into this spherical ball. Hmm. Um, very quirky, very strange. But yeah, yeah. So they—they've guess been known for interesting shifters. But the XC60 2018—that was one of the finalists. Um, the Volkswagen Atlas is on there. Um, yep. The Honda CRV, the 2018 model, it was refreshed uh, in 2017. I guess 2018 has a couple of little changes to it. Um, and I see all the way in the back there, I'll be honest, not very exciting for me, the Chevy Traverse, uh, I think I'm seeing. Or is it? Or is that the Equinox? If it's the Equinox, it's a, it's a heck of a lot larger than, uh, than what I remember. And I, I honestly, well, you know what? I may be wrong because I think that the Equinox has gotten bigger mm-hmm. since I remember it. My my memories of the Equinox is it was very popular when it came out. Over the years, they've sort of expanded it to be a, uh, a Ford Explorer fighter. Yeah. And I don't think it really stood up to that test. Um, of course, I really do not care very much about the Chevy Equinox or Traverse, so I may be wrong about all of this. But uh, Yeah. Maybe we should have looked that one up. I think we discussed what it was or what yeah. we thought it was before, and I guess it just disinterested us so much that uh, we didn't really care about it. Yeah. Um, did you mention the Atlas back there? And I did the di- mention the Atlas, yeah. And the Disco? Yeah. So I think we went through them all. Well, yeah. the, the, oh, the, the Disco. The final qualifiers. Yes. So, yeah, re- that's the Range Rover Discovery for the uninitiated. Uh, Mikey, what are your La- thoughts? Land Rover Disco. 
My oh my apologies, Land Rover. You're right. Come on, Anthony. It's the I've committed this the mortal the, the car, sin, the cardinal sin, cardinal sin of of the SUV world. What are your thoughts on the discovery, the Land Rover discovery? Um, purely based on exterior imaging, I think it looks terrible. The worst. It's the the old the old style like discovery that mm-hmm. everyone kind of knows. Um, had its image very rugged, looked like an army vehicle. It looked like a like a utility vehicle. A pinnacle of nineties design, with, I would got say. Got the lat. Those yeah. had a ladder on the back. I believe so. Yeah, it, they just looked like what yeah. they are meant to be. Utilitarian. Yeah, they were cool. Um, maybe this is a modernized version of that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think so personally. Um, it I looks really soft. Don't know what they were going for with squishy. that exterior look. Yeah, very very squishy. Very. Uh, you know, for something like Range Rover, Range Rovers to me always look very cutting edge, very sophisticated. Mm-hmm. This doesn't. It looks like the ugly cousin. It, well, I mean, the the dullard of the line. Not lineup. a Range Rover, Anthony. I'm sorry that I keep saying Range Rover, but let's be honest. In this country, well, no, I'm channeling in, in, some Jack Nicholson from The Departed. There, in this country, no, in, uh, in our area, Range Rovers are very popular. They are king. Yeah, you don't see a lot of Land Rovers where where we are, and. I don't honestly. I don't think in North America anywhere you're going to see a lot of Land Rovers because yeah. it's not a popular brand. Range Rover appeals more to the, our lifestyle. The Kardashians here. have made it what it is. Exactly, those those dang Kardashians. No, but I, I was at the Land Rover dealer um, last week, um, and I saw one in the showroom, and they're just not appealing. That yeah. that back the trunk area. I don't know what they're trying to do there. Yeah. I saw one on the road, and the first thing I thought of was, what is going through that woman's head? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no idea. You know, like, there's so many better options out there. Not even like like cheaper options. It's just I don't know. You know, the last time I thought what is going through that woman's head, I was driving and I saw a woman driving a Nissan Murano convertible, and I ah, thought what is yes. going through that woman's head? Yes. What did what what compromise did she come to with her husband where it was like you know what there's no other vehicle on the market that I want more than a Nissan Murano convertible. <laughs> Like, oh, my uh, gosh. Then, and they are nowhere close. Uh, the disco is nowhere close to being that bad. But it no. is the ugly duckling. And it's I the, mean, yeah, the answer to the Nissan Murano convertible would be, you, know, you can say it now, the Range Rover Evo convertible. You are, oh, God, you're right. And I think that the visibility may somehow be even worse in the Range Rover so Evoque. strange. Yeah. I don't know what the market is who for those. Who thought but... that these things could could be transformed into convertibles? And then who thought there'd be a market for it? That's Weird. like that's like the California daughter mobile. Yeah. Well, you know what it, it did provide a base for? Uh, Doug DeMuro and his videos on quirky automobiles. There you go. Yeah, if you guys are uh, bored at home one night, search up Doug DeMuro. He does pretty good videos on uh, on not just quirky automobiles, but rare automobiles, su- supercars, stuff like that. He uh, He's a pretty solid source. If you want to get a really in-depth look at the cars, yeah. he actually had one on the Range Rover Evo convertible. Really? Really just laughing at it. He actually had one on the Nissan Murano convertible as well. So that's there you go. where I learned how terrible it was. Yeah, so... Um, Back to the yes. Motor Trend End SUV of, of the year. Uh, yeah. Do you want to reveal the winner? Yeah, we can reveal the winner. And I say this damn proudly. Uh, it is the 2018 Honda CRV, one yeah. Motor Trend's best uh, SUV of the year. And uh, and I think we should preface this. Honda did, or sorry, Motor Trend did use Honda's um, proving ground facility for yeah. the testing. And I I heard that and thought immediately, well, maybe Motor Trend threw Honda a bone 
um, and well, said, well, here you go. Thank you for letting us using your testing grounds. Let me, let's let us award you the, uh, motor trend best SUV of the year. It did beat out the Stelvio and the Levante. I wouldn't even, um, think of it in that way. My first reaction to that was while well, they used their training facility, that car was optimized at that facility. Well, I would say that, so it kind of had yeah. an advantage in that way. I mean, that car beyond that, like this, this training facility was, was, you know, somewhere you can test any vehicle. But my whole thing is that anyone just reading the article is going to look at the, who the winner is and notice that the winner is the, is from the same company that the, all the vehicles were tested at. Yeah. But besides that, I do have something to say about the CRV because I do work at a Honda dealership and I am around these vehicles quite often. I am not by any means a CRV enthusiast. I don't ever plan on owning a CRV. I've never been interested in them. And frankly, for my whole life, they've sort of been ever since the nineties, when they went away from that cool little off-roading Jeep look mm-hmm. to them, when they went into the more pedestrian look, which came about early to mid two thousands. Yep. Um, that's when I really sort of was not interested in them, but with the 2017, which was the new generation of CRV, I don't know what generation it was and never cared to, to, to find out, but I'm telling you right now, if you or your parents ever owned a CRV and you step into a 2017 or newer model, your mind will be blown. It is, it's one of the biggest leaps I've seen in, uh, an automotive, uh, in an automotive generation. It, everything is different. Forget about just the powertrain being different. There's a much better engine in there now with the new 1.5 liter turbo. But mm-hmm. the interior is has been upgraded in such a way that it, it's astounding. Like the seats are better. They're not just nicer to look at. They're way more comfortable. There's better interior space. The mm-hmm. everything, the steering wheel, the gauges, the uh, the infotainment system. It's all better. And then on top of that, the exterior styling is nice. Now you got I have it. to agree. That's one thing that that yeah. I noticed right away. It looks beautiful from the outside it's a bit more rugged the fake wood they use in the interior many companies have said honda's new fake wood is like the best fake wood in the business Mm -hmm. and uh, frankly like i i really like it it's nice hard durable smooth but it's it's not shiny plasticky it looks like real fake wood as one paradox goes that sounds one thing that i don't like about it it has that classic upright honda shifter the same way that like the odysseys do yeah that's one thing I don't like. They'll never move away from that. Yeah. That's just, uh, it, they, I guess they do it for both ergonomics and for like, uh, to save, to, sorry, create more space, storage space in, between. in the center console. Do they, do they have like um, a bin between or is it they just do. dead space? No, no, they do. It's a uh, storage for a whole bunch of stuff that yeah. they can go down there, cup holders, everything. Okay. Um, but they've always had the shifter up there. It also keeps it really close to your hand so you, or uh, when they're on the steering wheel. So you can even right. rest your hand there and quickly go back and forth. Yeah, the so there's wheel. a point to it. They're not yeah. just... Yeah, they're, they're designing it um, not just to be lazy and put it up in, in the dash. They're mm-hmm. actually designing it for a purpose. Relatively decently priced at the at the base. Uh, oh, yeah. Although it's only a two-wheel drive, you're looking at 27000 Yeah. Canadian. And for is. what you're getting, I think it's a, it's a, it's a great bargain. But again, my point here is I definitely see how how it how it beat out you know some other incredible offerings yeah mainly i would say the stelvio uh, a lot of people were excited about it we know how great the 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 platform or um the the new chassis that they i say chassis right but really we, we can call now, it a platform. I, I i don't know for sure but i think they were not taking into account the quadrifolio yes you're the right stelvio. there you're um, right 
So would that make a difference, do you think? I think that, again, it's not a comparative test. So even if the Quadrifoglio had brought out quite a bit more performance, Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, they already had the Maserati Levante out there, which is probably a pretty potent vehicle. Yeah. Are the Levante and the Stelvio the same base? Yeah, you would think because they both they both come from parent company Fiat, right? Right. I, I, that's just my first. I indication. I still think the Alpha will be the better offering because Maserati for me. If you're not in a Gran Turismo, then I don't I don't like any Maseratis. I, I mean, like you Turismo. you know my viewpoint yeah. with Maserati. Yeah. So. yeah. Are you are are you of the mindset? I forget now that they're not going to be around in a few yeah, years. I think not. Maybe not a few, but yeah. within the next decade, I, I think there will be no Maserati. For Ferrari could. I think that's just, what's going to happen. Ferrari's uh, just going to eat, eat them, them up. Yeah. And um which they already own them. Yeah. Or they're part of the same group of companies. Mm-hmm. Um I just think Ferrari will absorb Maserati as a whole and use those cars to complete their yeah, level, complete their their, their range, their model range. Which cuz their competitors are going that way. Yeah. Like yeah. so that's 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 what I think. Uh, mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. But um away from Ferraris and Maseratis and and congratulations to Honda and your CRV. You won best yeah. uh, SUV it's, of the it's year. It's a it's a great looking car. Yeah. Even just looking at it now, like no, they did a good job. And and if I was in the market for uh, a midsize SUV, mm-hmm. especially in that price range, you're looking at Nissan Murano's and maybe Toyota. Is it the Rav Four? Yep, that's uh, in there. And I just don't see. Uh, sorry, not Nissan Murano. I think Rogue is the comparable one. Murano would probably be up. Um, what's the Pilot? pilot yes yeah yeah well the pilot's pretty big but anyway but uh, here, here's my question to you yeah does honda have an suv convertible no they don't and, and okay you know what End i game. think they nope. yeah i think don't you're, tell you're me right, anymore you're right honda, how could you even look at the crv without folks. a convertible yeah god come on honda get on the convertible um, game man bring look, back an s2000 inspired crv <laughs> Oh, see, that piqued your interest. There you go. Oh, yeah. I promise you that shifter will be right down in the middle, not on the (laughs) dashboard. But uh, anyway, I think we should move on to maybe the the truck of the year. Yeah, a topic that we are both familiar with. Yes, yes. So, and why are are we so familiar with trucks, Mikey? Well, our dads have always had trucks. Yeah. That's That's really it. it, eh? I mean, I drive a truck. Your first car was a truck. Uh, My first car was a truck. I've had three trucks. That's right. Oh wow! Yeah, you've had a lot of cars though. That's yeah. So you were bound to hit. I've also eventually. I've, I've also had bad luck with cars. Yes, that's right. Well, okay. Your first one was a beast. Dodge Ram. Yeah, and that was just the, a beast. The blue beast. Yeah, well, that's what we called it back in the day. It was a Ram fifteen hundred V eight Magnum. Yeah, lifted, Lift. straight piped, straight. Oh, that was so cool. That it was, was it, it was cool because we were. 16 years yeah old. yeah that's something that you don't want to drive and i had it for i think i had it for two, two years max i remember i was so impressed when you drifted uh the roundabout of blue mountain I really thought, this guy has like supreme uh auto or automotive abilities let's call it or driving I, skill I'm, I'm kind of impressed by that right now yeah it was, i totally forgot that well happened. but and this is what i never knew i didn't know if you were in, were you in four by four when you were drifting those things or you were just letting the tail come out maybe yeah. I don't know. It, it did have four by four capability. Because yeah. my my Ford Ranger, which was my little my little pickup, and that was my first car. I could yeah, I yeah, could totally never about that. I could never hold the drift, and it, it had an open diff and really? only only rear wheel drive. So, and not a whole lot of power either. Maybe I was just more stupid than you were. Maybe maybe we. I mean, yeah, you did have a I've whole done bunch a, of kids I did a lot of stuff with that 
that, with that truck. Yeah, but it, they're just hilarious. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah, so I went from that and then, um, well, we'll talk about all the vehicles we had another time, but as far as trucks, then I got into an F-150. Yeah. And now I'm into another F-150. And I think we can both agree that our favorite trucks have always been F-150s. Dodge, what? Whoa, no, no, where no, did no, that no. come from? No, by far F-150. Yeah. Oh, thank God. Or the Ford series of trucks. Yeah, and like you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to put down the other trucks. I think Ram no. does a great job with. I think you know, I think the truck community in a whole is terrible. Yeah, and all they do is bash other trucks. Exactly. But when us really, two being as unbiased as possible, even though our dads, I think, have always owned Fords. Yeah. Oh, my dad. My um, dad is one of these people we're talking about. Yeah. He is a Ford fanboy to right. the end, and. I mean, good enough for him. He he has a new EcoBoost, and and it's fairly like his his definition of a truck. He's always had to use them for work. He's always had to carry loads, right? Uh, it, like payloads in the bed, so not so much yeah, towing. See, and and his loads are always small, yeah, but they but they've heavy. got weight to them exactly. So you need a truck that can right. that can take care of that, and yep. also he uses it as a mobile office. So his truck, his new F one fifty, really takes care of that task for him. Yeah, he that's likes, what they're made for. Yeah. But he really likes the fact that the new EcoBoosts are, and you know, viewers feel free to disagree with me, and my dad will prove you wrong that they are the fastest trucks on the road. They are. Hold the on, EcoBoosts. Maybe we should take a step back. Yeah. The whole point of this talk is the truck of the year, and we quickly jumped to Ford. You're Let's right. go and name all the other trucks You're first. Right. Oh my God, what am I doing? And then come back to the winner, right. and, which and is obviously. Why, why did you have to let me go on this tangent? about I just called everyone well, out and said the Fords are the <laughs> fastest trucks on the road. Well, we'll get back to that. Yeah, well, okay. that's, we'll, that's, we'll that's part of the reason it. why they did the winners. Like, you're, you're right. And, and there you go. I just ruined it. They let's, won. Na- let's name all the losers. Okay. Yeah, losers. Well, okay, but let's be honest. Uh, again, because this being of the year award, you're not going to see. Um, you know, there's a whole lot, lot of other trucks out there, but they only not not many released. Yeah, they only had offerings from ford and gm that was it there was was no dodge uh here this year nope because there's no new Rams. there was the um they had the gmc sierra denali 3500 was it a denali so i think so because i'm used to seeing sierra denali when i see their big trucks yeah denali is what that's the that's like their answer to like the platinum i see so I don't know if it was specifically a Denali, but it was definitely a 3500 Dually. Yeah, it was a yeah. big truck. And yeah. you know what? Those big GMCs, they're really nice trucks. Oh, yeah. They're they're beautiful yep. vehicles. And and I think if you're in the market for a heavy-duty truck, mm-hmm. you have fantastic offerings from Ford, right. Dodge, or Ram, uh, and GMC. Yep. And even Chevy. Their Silverados, likewise, I, are very good. I think the only thing that would make me stray away from those GMCs is the center console and infotainment system. Yeah, they have the shifter up on the column. Yeah, which I, I'm not a big I don't fan like. Of. And I don't like that whole big center console. This, the classic Chevy round ovalish yeah. center console. It's just, I don't know, the Ford just seems to do it a lot It's better. a bit more intuitive. And you know what? Now that we're talking about shifters, I also don't like the Ram shifter being up on the dash either. And I don't the like little yeah. round toggle. Yeah, it's just not, for me, it's not, it's not big and tough. I like the idea that the Ford, the Ford's, gear selector yeah you can go and rest nice, your hand on it yeah it's nice and no handle yeah <laughs> yeah um then we had what uh, the remaining out of the seven top cars that were um the qualifiers were all fords they were all f-150s i think yeah um so again because this is 
like an of the year award, you're not going to see a whole. There's not a lot of diversity yeah, in the lineup. And, and so, Ford just released a whole range. Exactly, and it's sort of the mid-cycle refresh since 2015. We've seen this new generation of yep. F-150, but this is it, the most noticeable thing is the the front ends. Uh, they've changed the front ends, probably some of the tail lights, but the interiors are basically the same. I think yeah, pretty well. I haven't really changed anything, but. Um, three different f-150s in this test yeah the uh platinum which is their luxury offering yep the raptor which is their performance sport offering right and finally at the bottom end their xl not bottom end but more utilitarian what what a truck is for uh the xl which is just like the you know their their base model yeah um and what surprised me is i mean I think the Chevy Colorado is a fantastic truck, and mm-hmm. and what that represents that represents um, Chevy or GM's you know entry level pickup. The GMC, on the other hand, represents their top of the line. So Ford had some tough competition with this. Basically, Ford is using one truck, the F one hundred and fifty, to compete with everyone else's lineup. But like you said about the SUVs, is, is this a battle between the two? Or is no, it? No, it's not comparative testing. Right. So, but uh, but still, what Ford has done, and I think what Motor Trend is recognizing here, is that Ford with one truck is trying to take on every like they, right. they created one yes. model, and now they're making it. Uh, they're using that architecture in a bunch of different uh, scenarios, right. and it's working well. Like the Raptor dominates performance sector. I don't think there's a faster truck out there than the Raptor. Um, well, apparently the 2017 limited is yes so my father <laughs> uh found a video uh from uh our friends over at uh tfl truck the fast lane truck i say our friends they have no idea who we are but, but um, we know who they are we know who they are they do testing up in colorado i think that's where they're based mm-hmm. out of and yep. they ran a test with a platinum f-150 oh, or okay. an f-150 uh maybe if it was some sort of fx a regular f-150 yeah versus the raptor now the e- Raptor EcoBoost F one hundred and fifty yes EcoBoost F one hundred and fifty ten speed okay. versus the Raptor with its ten speed right and the EcoBoost actually beat the Raptor. They're saying it's because of the high rolling resistance of the Raptor's KO two tires, right? Um, which I understand, but the Raptor also has significantly more horsepower. Sure, it does have more weight with yeah. all of that off road capable suspension and stuff, but I find it hard to believe that it's still not going to pull away. I honestly think it would have to do something with the altitude. Um, that think the it would weight, play that much, or they just like if you see where they're testing, they're testing on like a, a shut down track and field center. It's like oh, not okay. you know it's it's a straight road, but it's by no means yeah. like you know a regulation testing. But all it did was inflate my dad's ego, and now every time he sees a Dodge Ram with a Hemi badge on it, he's he's scoffing away, begging the guy to to come up and and try and uh, pull away from him. <laughs> my dad loves his truck. That's the that's the bottom line, and I think it's a fantastic vehicle. Anyways, uh, uh, sorry, any uh, anyway, um, but I also at the same time am able to appreciate the offerings from Ram and GMC and Chevy. Right. Uh, like I said, now if you're if you're a truck buyer. Now is a fantastic time. You you really can't go wrong. There's a yep. lot of really really well built trucks out there, and they target everything. Right. I think we're gonna see. You know, as much as people are talking about how SUVs are cornering the market for everyday needs, right? You can have your SUV do everything. It it handles mm-hmm. like a car. It has the utility the utility of a truck. It has the fuel economy of a of an economy car. Right. I think that what pickup trucks are doing are bringing that to the next level. Now you can literally use one vehicle for absolutely right. everything. 
I think that's why we're starting to see a lot less SUVs in the in the range of stuff that would compete with like um an like an excursion like those yes. large large yeah. SUVs. The SUV like basically the the full body what they were was full bodied pickups. They right. were pickups yeah. where the cab was sort of connected to, yeah. to what the tr- the trunk had. Um and yeah, we won't see those very much and even in Motor Trends testing of uh SUV of the year, they had no V8 uh, no, no vehicles they no. tested of like thirty something vehicles. None of them had a V8. Yeah, they were all twin turbo sixes or sixes of some sort, mm-hmm. and probably even some four cylinders like in the CRV. Um, we're moving away from these big monstrous vehicles now. They just they just don't have a place for us uh, in in these in the truck and SUV market. Right. Um, but yeah. So again, congratulations to Ford. Uh, me and Michael are both happy about that. I guess. That, yeah, I've, uh, I've got a I've got a winner. Yeah, you got you got a real winner, man. Yeah. Uh, I mean, mine's not a 2018, but no, but it, yours, yours. Actually, is, mine did lose its year for Motor Trend. It lost Truck of the year, yeah, for oh, the geez. Chevys. Well, well, my dad's is a 17. 17, they won. They won last year. Aha. Uh-huh. Hmm. Yeah. See that? Very nice. Um, and then going on from trucks, moving into the cars. smaller class of vehicles. Vehicle. And and this is where everyone is really, you know, everyone is yeah. going to be drawn to. They uh, saved the best yeah. for last. Um, it, it was uh, basically Motor Trend's car of the year. I think they had something crazy like 40 or 50 cars they were. I think, I think it was, they said 45. Yeah. It's like, how do you even, even though it's not comparative testing, comparative testing would only make that easier. Mm-hmm. You know, you choose one category and you compare. These were just, uh, I guess, uh, best car in, in the in the sense of uh, what's offering best for, you know, best new car is what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and a lot of uh, really important vehicles uh, were included in the test. I'm just trying to find them here. The the new Lexus, uh, L- is it the L- LC500? As I stated before, pre-podcast, I don't like Lexus. Yeah. Don't know why. Just, they don't attract me, so I know nothing about them. Stuff that I don't like, I just kind of disregard okay well and um, I, I can appreciate so I, that i can't give you that answer i'm so sorry yeah i mean i have a soft spot for lexus my mom for 10 years owned uh, uh RX. lexus's yeah rx uh, one 2000 and or 1999 another 2005 um so when i was when i was growing up lexus was always had a soft spot mm-hmm. for me and they still do uh i don't agree with their styling i think their styling cues now are too aggressive and uh, uh kudos to you mr ceo of toyota who came out uh, and during a big Lexus meeting said, let's stop making boring cars. That's not how you inspire creativity. Yeah. When you tell your employees, your designers to stop making boring cars, they jump the shark. And that's what you're seeing coming out of Toyota now uh, with Lexus and Toyota. I mean, maybe it's appealing to some people, but these are not tasteful designs. They are not uh, designs that are going to last 10 years down the road. Mm-hmm. You're going to see a lot of these cars in the future and think, what what were they thinking when they designed this? This is not what the future right. looks like. Yeah. Tesla is what the future looks like, uh, in my opinion, not uh, angles galore. Uh, let's throw LED strips and vents that aren't real. Doesn't make sense to me, and that's the direction Lexus seems to be heading in. Toyota more recently seems to be heading in that direction, but the LC. I'm going to keep calling it the LC 550, 500. Yeah, go for it. I think it. that's what it's called. Um, is a departure from that design language. I think it was very sleek, very futuristic, and so I liked it. I also liked the fact that it had a naturally aspirated V8. 
mm-hmm. which was pretty cool. It sounded really nice too. Something you're not used to seeing from Lexus. The Lexus. Yeah. I, that's, that's one thing I do like about the car. The, the mm-hmm. sound, it, it does give a nice note. Yeah. Um, so obviously this Lexus was part of the testing. Um, we also had, uh, I think it was actually a finalist for a car of the year. We also saw the Kia Stinger, uh, was a Stinger terrible name. Let's be honest. I don't know what they were going for there. Like Kia had a pretty good, or Hyundai, I guess had a pretty good name with Genesis. I think that was kind of cool, but also kind of cheesy, man. I'm good with my cars, aren't I? Yeah, dude, you you got you've had too many for, cars. For for you that don't know, I also had a Genesis. Jeez, my Coupe. my lord. Um, but Stinger, I, I mean, what's it stinging? Is it stinging your senses? Because it's so I don't raw. Know where they came it's with not that. raw at all. It's a it's a it's a four door sedan, rear wheel drive I mean, we only. We could just end it at Kia. Yeah, I, maybe you know, call it the the Kia and then spell Kia backwards. That's more interesting. Yeah. Ike, <laughs> I don't know. But uh, anyway, so the the, sting, the stinger was in there because obviously it's a brand new car and it's it's Kia's new uh, it's their their first entry into this performance sedan segment mm-hmm. um, with with everything they've learned from the Genesis line. I think that you know they're more than ready for that. Um, we also see the the Alfa Romeo Giulia uh, in the testing. Oof. Beautiful car. Uh, I think we it's set the performance sedan segment on fire mm-hmm. uh, especially because everyone's been wi- like wanting to, to see alfa romeo come back yep the new panamera was in there which Ooh. i know you're a fan of i'm a huge fan because i hated the last generation panamera really and in every form i hated it in gts i hated it in turbo i hated it. i think everything. i'm the only person that liked it i think it looked like an elephant and maybe that's because there was a top gear episode where i think they called it an elephant I, but, yeah i think they did yeah um I think I just like the idea of it. Yes. More than the actual look. Yes, that shooting brake design is attractive, but I think Porsche uh really nailed it with this new one. It looks a lot more sportier and a lot less not sporty. Right. Where the last one looked like the sure. last one, yeah, I couldn't even come up with a word with a word for it. It, it kind of looked like a Hearst. Yeah. So. It just wasn't what I was expecting from Porsche, but this this new Panamera really speaks to the design and as far as performance, I think that it's going to be a it's going to be an astounding performance car like yeah. it's already poised to be uh to dominate that segment. So that made the list uh the fi- a finalist and look who doubled their presence in the list of finalists. Honda they're, they're coming just, through just everywhere. Honda's just man, they're just fantastic. You like, know, I don't know what it is all about. All kidding them. aside, the three vehicles that they've showcased in these awards are all vehicles that we've talked about, mm-hmm. and I think they hit them all out of the park. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, just so that the the listeners know what we're talking about, the all-new 2018 Honda Accord, huge, huge improvement with that car. So like, that, that's like made a we, finalist. We just talked about that last week. Exactly. And the Civic Type R, again, setting the, uh, the compact uh, hot hatch market ablaze with its revolutionary suspension and and aesthetics, I would I would say that the aesthetics are pretty revolutionary mm-hmm. because it's a departure from boring hot hatches. Um, so these both made the list as finalists, and uh, and in the little video they had, they have a little Motor Trend has a little fifteen minute or so long uh, video blurb reveal, yeah, for yeah, the about the testing. And and if you guys want, they're just uh, quick reactions to it. Definitely watch that video. I definitely don't recommend trying to navigate the Motor Trend site because you'll be there for four yeah, hours. It's very disappointing. 
I mean, they, 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 they like to talk about how they do the testing more than what the testing revealed. And that is interesting in its own right. But mm-hmm. when someone wants to, is looking to you to, to, yeah, like I, 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 I was looking here for 10 minutes, looking for straight facts and you can't get it. You no. can't get a straight answer because they want you to, to click through 20 different screens to get it. And I'm sorry, I'm not going to fund your advertisements for the, the Hyundai. What is this? Hyundai Tucson premium all-wheel drive. I'm not going to fund that advertisement just so I can find out what the horsepower rating on a Kia Stinger is. Or these advertisements for PayPal. Elon. Elon, you beautiful mind, you. Um, but beyond all that, I think, actually, speaking of Elon, the Model 3 made it in uh, yeah. into this uh, this collection of vehicles. I, which I'm surprised they could even get one. Yes. To be honest. I, I understand where you're coming from, but it would be a shame if it was not of a course. part of it because it is a 2018 release. Right. So uh, they were, I guess, were pretty impressed with that as well. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't they be? Um, but should we reveal the winner? I think it's pretty obvious. Is it obvious, though? I don't know. You got two Hondas in there. How no. could the winner be obvious? I mean, it's not the Porsche, so it's not obvious. Uh, um, no good one. Yeah. You're, it, it's the... The Alfa Romeo Giulia, yeah, and this the is the Italian Stallion. And what they're what they so one thing I guess we should make clear: very similar to the trucks, they're looking at the whole lineup. It's not just the Quadrifoglio. It's not just the base model uh, Alfa Romeo Giulia. Uh, did they look at the Quadrifoglio for the SUVs? They didn't. Sorry, because oh, when it's you not when out. you say trucks, you're saying yeah. like the F one fifty. Yeah, not okay. So My even, terminology for trucks. Yeah. Is, and even if you see the pictures of the lineup here, you see the Accords are there uh, in sport and touring trim levels mm-hmm. and some other you know, base model, whatever. Um, but they are they are looking at the whole thing. So the whole lineup for the Alfa Romeo, they, they like the performance of the Quadrifoglio. They like the design and the style of the base model, which I'm not sure the what Q2. it is. Q2. Q2, that's what T-I-Q2, it's called? T-I-Q2, yeah. I see. And then there's a Q4 and then the Quadrifoglio. Hmm. Yeah, they, Q2, rear-wheel drive. Q4, all-wheel drive. Interesting. Yeah. So that's it, basically the dumb version of remembering what's what. Yes, yes. That's well, I mean, if, if it's if it works, it works. It dumbed down. Yeah. Um but yeah, so I mean it won and uh obviously uh you and I are both fans of the the new uh Julia. Yeah, I th- I think I like the idea of it. I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not really a f- too keen on it right now just because it's a brand new car. Yes, and I think that we are both we are both justified in saying that we're a little bit iffy about the reliability of these cars. Right. Because knowing Alfa Romeo's history yeah. and also just knowing that they're not built here, uh, they're not tested. They're not, this is, they're still yeah. new. I think it's good. It, like it, it competes against the M3, the mm-hmm. C63. And it does a really um, good job performance wise. Oh, a hundred percent. In a lot of aspects, it, it beats them. Yeah. It's just, if I was in the market for one of those cars, I would lean closer towards m3 and cc3 right now mm-hmm. solely because they've been around for tens of 20 exactly years. they're tried and tested and it's a big investment you're making on that part right. so right now great look forward to them mm-hmm. like it's a, it, they've got they're doing really well it's just too early on and you know what speaking of of this look forward uh johnny lieberman brought something up that i found really interesting and he, oh, when he, he was, had something interesting to say did he oh yes he did i John. don't like that guy I know, and Johnny Lieberman is an acquired taste, but I at the end of the day, you're not going to find too many people out there with as much experience as, as him. And with, I like his delivery. I'll be honest. I think his delivery. Uh, and again, if you guys don't know who Johnny Lieberman is, he's one of the Motor Trend, um, I guess, the writers or producers, yeah, editors, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. all of I, the above. Yeah. So what he said about Alfa Romeo, and this I I struck very true to me. 
Alfa Romeo is new. They're coming back. They're trying to establish themselves in North America after oh, yeah, decades sure. of not being yeah, around. Of course, yep. And having stake in the Chrysler Group uh, allows them to you know, reach a different market. Mm-hmm. What I think they've done brilliantly is that with Fiat's help, Alfa Romeo has been able to design this platform that the Julia is built off of. And they're following the same um, the same idea that worked so well for BMW and Mercedes. You develop one platform, build multiple vehicles from it. Of course, that all stems from Chrysler in the, I think, 80s with Lee Iacocca. But mm-hmm. you build one platform, build multiple cars on it, and and make it a fantastic platform. Here we see the Julia being built, a fantastic car. The Stelvio is now coming out. It's built off of the Julia, and it's going to probably do very well. Mm-hmm. What that means to me is that Chrysler is going to be able to extract that DNA of into another chassis mm-hmm. and possibly put that into a Challenger, a right. Charger. Who knows? The it's been it's been over a decade now where the Challenger and uh, and Charger just haven't been able to compete with Mustang and Camaro right. on the track. Uh, and when I say track, I mean circuit. I mean mm-hmm. you know more uh, diverse performance testing. They've they've obviously Hellcat and Demon secured them the spot of of uh of drag race or straight line mm-hmm. speed but they haven't had a platform to build on to really push the limits uh of of handling this is what and this is exactly what johnny lieberman was saying this is a platform that allows them to do that so i am really excited to see what the next generation mm-hmm. of of chrysler uh performance cars are going to look like having the lineage with and the the shared parent company with Alfa Romeo, I think they're going to borrow some of that. So we may see a challenger one day that's ready to take to the track. And that those, those words seem uh, foreign to me to say that, but we yeah. may see a challenger that's willing, that's ready to take a GT 350 R and uh, a Camaro ZL one out on the track and, right. and, and make a, make a fool of them. And, and we'll to, to add on top of all of that fantastic stuff, mm-hmm. Alfa Romeo just announced that they're getting back into F1. Yeah. So that's going to allow them to, diversify and get even more technology and pull it from racing they're they're mm-hmm. partnering with sober race team mm-hmm. and um bring that into their cars and again that will trickle down into everything else mm-hmm. which makes it super exciting oh yeah no i mean when i when i heard about that first thing i thought uh, i just had the image in my head of this 1920s uh, alfa romeo open wheel race car sliding around on the dirt you know but somewhere let and... me tell you it's not that i know i know but <laughs> I, it just, those are the, yeah. the memories because all I've ever seen of right. Alfa Romeo and racing is from way back, right. grainy footage of yep. these, you know, and I, I believe they were in F1 men in the past, men. but they got out of it, but mm-hmm. now they're getting back in. So yeah. that's kind of exciting. Now they're getting back in. And, uh, and one thing that I love that they've done the homage to is that, uh, that four leaf clover that they put on the, uh, that, that badge. I think that's what quadrifolio means. That's, that's definitely what quadrifolio means. Yeah. But now when you buy a Julia quadrifolio and you get that little four leaf clover badge, it's going to mean something. You're going to, you're going to watch uh race day every, every Sunday or, or what have you. And you're going to say, look, that's, that's Alfa Romeo. That's Alfa Romeo race right. sport. That's, you know, it's going to mm-hmm. instantly link you to, to F1. Right. So that's definitely exciting. And for someone who doesn't follow F1 as in depth as he should, right. being, uh, you know, being fans of uh, drivers like Ayrton Senna and Alan Prost mm-hmm. and, uh, and individuals like that, I am more excited to hear Alfa Romeo making a return. So we'll see uh, how that uh, goes for them. And, and, you know, pardon my ignorance here. Who is Sauber? They're Swiss. I know that. I don't know much about them. Mm-hmm. Um, all I do know is they're 
was a gentleman named Marcus Eric Marcus Erickson who's mm-hmm. been racing with them since 2015, um, and they got a new driver now, Charles Leclerc. Mm. Um, I'm not sure who he is. Well, I mean, these are these are not the names that lead F1. These are not Lewis Hamilton. No, well, Erickson but, is is relatively well known. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not the greatest driver right now. Yeah. Um, but that's really who's driving mm-hmm. for them, and that's really all I know about. Interesting. Hmm. Well, a uh, little fun fact for you here, pulled directly off the Formula One uh, website. Alfa Romeo was the dominant force as the Formula One World Championship began in 1950. Uh, the Italian marquee claiming an a historic one two three in the first ever race at Silverstone, hmm. or as the British call it, Silverstone. Uh, and this was uh, uh, just to correct you, we yeah. I, um, I work with a British fellow. And oh, do you? We were actually talking about Silverstone, and he said Silverstone. Oh, he didn't say Silverstone. No. Okay, sorry. I watched Top Gear. We were talking about it last week. The you know okay whatever. I trust Jeremy Clarkson. He said he I... lived near right right by there. Oh really? Okay. Well, cool. hmm, interesting. Maybe uh, maybe we're done talking about F1 then, Michael. We could be. We could be. Uh, because there's not much going on right now. Yes. Uh, well, the Lewis Hamilton won. Mercedes won the, won the constructors. And that's about it. That's also about it. Uh, to leave you with a topic. Ferrari threatened to leave F1 by 2020. And moving on. All right. That's a bombshell. Yeah, I don't know where that came from, but it was a headline. Uh, I mean, did they give reasons for it? Was something they, they probably just want money or something? Ferrari's a yeah. bunch of babies. Yeah. Oh boy, you, you've just unleashed the <laughs> the dogs of war. I know, especially coming from the area that we live in. Yeah, I know. Ferrari. Ferrari heaven. is king. Ferrari I, merchandise actually, is sold I, I think, here more I than think Woodbridge on per capita is the most Ferraris per capita. That's disgusting. I I, I, th- I think not new. Yeah, because oh, like Marinello oh, would be there, of course. But um, um, no, I, I honestly think that that is either one or like top one or two. Yeah, that that really makes me kind of sick to my stomach. Um, but let's move on to some more uh, happy news. I guess the LA Auto Show. Yeah, it's Auto Show just season, happened. and uh, we we got some. We're in the midst cool stuff. of the LA Auto Show. Yes, sir. Uh, one one thing that I think shocked not the world, but shocked a lot of automotive people was the uh, release of the Lamborghini. I'm gonna let you pronounce it. Urus. Urus? Yeah, Urus. Urinary tract. U-R-U-S. So the Lamborghini Uranus. Uh, Urus is a type of bull. Of course it, it, it is. It, actually, fun fact, uh, the Aventador, Aventador was a type of Urus bull. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I'm so happy I've learned that now. They, they, uh, I, don't, the, I don't know why. What's I know the that. Huracan then? I assume, I assume it's a type of bull as well. I, I, why would they stray away from it like a Glardos you type know, of bull? Well, you know what it is? It's a bunch of bullshit, is what it is. But uh, yeah, why? I'm kidding. You know, naming it's it's not bad. Um, it's pretty cool. And well, I mean, I'll be the first to say I love the new Lamborghinis, especially the Huracan, especially the Huracan Performante. Uh, and if the Ooh. Urus can bring any of that performance into the, um, you know, sports SUV segment, yep. then I think that that's I welcome that with open arms. In fact, they're even calling it the Super. Sport utility vehicle, well, so super SUV, with, uh, almost seven hundred horsepower. How could you? But not? one thing that I didn't understand, and Lamborghini, I guess, has never been known for their marketing. But when they came out with the Huracan, mm-hmm. the the video for the Huracan when it was released, I thought was really well done. What it was, was sort it? of a car driving the. It was driving the forces of a storm, and it was really cool. It was, okay. took place in a nice urban environment. They showed what the Huracan could do, like 
performance wise. I think it was really interesting. Yep. For this, um, I guess um, opening uh, video, they decided to demonstrate how people, uh, you know, would think one way about something until someone came along and changed it. So mm-hmm. we we used to think this until these people came along. We used to think this until these people came along, and they showed examples. First of all, there were like eight or nine examples which totally detracted from the fact that it was a car commercial. You have to sit through these examples waiting for, you already know that they're going to show the car, but you're sitting waiting through these examples for them to finally end up telling you we've done it with the SUV market. And then after that, it's just a couple of, of shots of the Urus, different color Uruses doing different things in different environments and not really snapshots of the or the videos of the exhaust, like things that you want to hear. I want to hear this thing. I want to I want to see it sure drifting in the dirt. But give me a continuous shot. They just kept switching back and forth, different shots, doing craziness. They're they're not trying to attract the same Lamborghini market. Are, what are, they're trying are to they? do? I would disagree. What they're trying to do is attract the wives of that Lamborghini market. Ah, okay. Well, I will. The same thing they're doing with the Bentayga. Agree, agree with you there. I think it's a different market, though. Why, though? The people going after a Bentega are the people who who say, you know what, my Mercedes uh, GLS is the GLS even a thing? Yeah, it's like the top, isn't that? That's the, that's the big, the yeah, the big. Or my Range Rover isn't fancy enough. Give me I don't something. Think so. I don't give think me so. something more. Well, what else no, is the Bentega? Because, because do you, for you get a long wheelbase um, Mercedes autobiography with the limousine style back. It will be just as luxurious as that Bentega. Mercedes? In fact, more comfortable. Do you mean Range Rover? Sorry, Auto? Range Rover. Sorry, yeah. not Mercedes. Range Rover. Really? Then, I think so. Then a then a half a million dollar. Uh, half a million. Where are you going? Half a, a million. quarter million. Uh, Two hundred thirty, three hundred thousand. Okay, sorry, I was off by a, a quarter. No, but still, this is this, this is the the Bentayga is for, an for the wife that had a Continental. You know what, Mikey? GT, everything you're and saying now is has sexist. two more kids. Everything you're saying is sexist. Uh, I don't think we can be on the air anymore. I'm kidding. This is not the place for politics. Um, but no, I, I honestly think that's that they're, they're... That's who they're, they're trying to attract. I, no, I think they're aiming more at a sportier market. Like you're, People are not cross-shopping Bentegas and, and Urises. It's right. just they're not gonna get They're going to get those those Bentley fanboys and those Lamborghini fanboys to buy that car. No, Nobody else I is going to be interested I in I think cars. the people who are looking at Ferrari FFs are going to be looking at Urises. Because the Urus no. is more... I, no, no way. When they come back with the Lamborghini Mura reboot, then they'll be comparing... Uh, like a an FF two absolutely that. not. The yeah. Lamborghini Mura was a mid engined uh, yeah, supercar, yeah, not a yeah, two plus yeah. two. Yeah, but it's not different. It's got that similar like. No, well, you're just comparing the looks, and absolutely yeah. not. That was a mid engine supercar, looks. not a front engine hatch, <laughs> or shooting brake. That's not a shooting brake. Whatever it is, yeah, Ferrari FF is in its own segment. But anyway, if when they come out with a Mura reboot, they better not. Butcher it because that is literally my favorite vintage car. It was what it's, got me into I, I, vintage I, there's things. There's been rumors that they're doing it. I've seen a concept. They've had a concept since 2006. It made its way into Midnight Club Dub Edition. I thought mm-hmm. that was hilarious, but um, who knows what they're going to do with that. But anyway. The, the, the people that are going to buy this Lamborghini are wives of Lamborghini owners or young people, young men that live in Miami. That's it. I don't know about that. I think that My it's going to have more performance credentials than than you're giving it oh, credit for. I think I think I think it will. Mm-hmm. But who's going to be buying this car for the performance? Realistically, well, who has the money to buy this car? Well, let's wait and see what they say. But hey, if it, from what I've seen so 200, far, two hundred thousand people are insanely excited about it, and the performance yes, is because pretty, of the Rambo Lambo. 
Pretty epic. Yes, the Ramble Lambo. The, the, again, the people that are going to buy this are, are people that were young when that Ramble Lambo was released, and they've Disagree been completely. waiting for that to come back for so long. Disagree completely. The Ramble Lambo was I'm more sorry. I love Alejandro, but he's the type of person that's going to buy this. Okay, yes, I agree there. Because they have too much money, and they're young, and they have nothing I think we to have to wait and see the performance testing. Because I think this is gonna this is gonna shatter uh, three point six seconds zero to sixty. I hate to agree with the commercial, but I think this is three point six seconds zero to sixty. What was there is an SUV that goes faster than that, other than the Model X Stelvio? In what three point? I don't know. I'm just well. The GLC sixty three was three point five. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, but that's in a different league. Uh, that's in a more attainable league, frankly, and it's not going to have the the lug the luxury that this vehicle has but anyway so let's let's get off the topic of of our differencing in opinion uh, on who's going to buy this vehicle what are your thoughts on the lamborghini years mikey i i I just keep on thinking how people how you would compare this to a bentega i wouldn't compare it it to a bentega oh i thought you said that no no i i I don't think they're in the same league at all okay because i think that they're appealing to two different people but beyond that what are your thoughts on do you do you like the design? Let's say because I think the design. I think it's like a fad. I think it's just a fad because everyone's releasing SUVs and yeah, they're just getting in on the ride. Yeah, I. There's no need for this car. Oh, 100 percent. But there's also no need for the Bugatti Chiron. There's also no need. Oh, okay, for... well, that's different. In Bugatti releases way? a car every 15 years. I guess yeah, yeah. That is that, that was is that true. was coming. That is true. Also, the first um, Bugatti Chiron was delivered to Canada. Toronto, Ontario, to a fellow named Tim Schmidt. Oh, Timothy Schmidt. Yeah, um, I've heard of him. Tim, uh, no, he uh, got the first one in Canada. Oh, really? For sure. Yeah. Interesting. It's a really nice spec. It's like a burgundy car, exposed car. Wasn't it? Wasn't it uh, bought? It, he's not the first owner. No, he bought it new. Oh, yeah, yeah it was oh. built for him. Then he he just McLaren. he just got a he just got a McLaren P1. That was not which yeah. he's the third owner, one of six in the world um, exposed carbon, six hundred thousand U.S. dollar option. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And so you and know, put, you know slapped, all this information, yet you slapped, do not want to buy a Lamborghini Urus. He slapped some green Forgiatos on that McLaren B1. Interesting. Interesting yeah, choice. Not, my, not my flavor, but... Mm-hmm. So beyond the Lamborghini Urus, what else did we see come out of the LA Auto Show? Um, I'm, I'm a little bit salty, but... Uh, <laughs> But we'll uh, we'll save we'll do a topic on luxury SUVs. How about that? Yes, that's let's what save it we, for that. We will save a day uh, for the luxury SUV uh, era that we live in now. Where, where yeah, well, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of them, those ultra luxury yeah. companies. There's a lot of SUVs coming out right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got the Cullinan from Rolls Royce coming out. So mm-hmm. the Ferrari FUV. So we'll talk about that another time. We'll do a longer segment on that. Agreed. Agreed. Um, and what else do we have for cars? Really? Uh, was there anything else? Uh, any other oh, big news? Well, there's LA? there's a CLS Mercedes, yeah, the Mercedes yeah. CLS that was just released, and I think it's a huge step backward in design. I know. If if all their cars are going in this direction, bad. Well, you know what it was. You know what I th- honestly think what it was. The original CLS brought the first. The CLS look. always brings the new look. Exactly. And and that was the first time I we saw that architecture with that sweeping line. And for those of you who can't see, I'm gesticulating a sweeping swept back line that continues from the the right at the front headlights all the way to the taillights. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think we saw the CLA embody that the the C class, all, all the vehicles, the GLE. Um, they they all incorporate that sweeping line that was first seen in the original CLS. Now this new CLS is just not 
that invigorating. I, I think honestly, the front end looks like a Mustang, one of the new Mustangs with the taillights that kind of come yeah. back pointy towards the the hood. Yeah, it's just it looks like a mix of. It, looks, it just looks like an old CLS. That's yeah. all it looks like. Yeah, it looks like it, a, like, like the 2014 CLS. It looks boring. Which I, I mean, don't know. I'm kind of scared for Mercedes here. Uh, yeah, well, we'll see what they end up doing. But hey, they've uh, they've been on fire for quite a few years, and uh, and I honestly think that this will continue. I th- they have a solid base for their design language. Yeah, we know what they're capable. of. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's just seeing this release and what they've produced in the last what four years. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't know. Bit of a it's a little bit, little bit concerning. And yeah. Yeah, 100% a letdown. Yeah. Especially with the release of the um, AMG GTR after yeah. seeing what they did there, the the the, the, the Project One. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you saw that they were never plateauing in, in their level of creation. They kept on exactly. stepping it up and stepping it up and stepping it up. And this just looks like a step down. Yeah. Yeah. I agree completely. But we'll, we'll see what they do. Hopefully, they don't go down the same road as BMW because I think BMW went off a cliff. Yeah. With design. Audi um, too kind of got soft. Their their bigger vehicles look good with this new design, Audi, mm-hmm. but they're smaller like A4. Maybe maybe it's just the A4 and the A5 that I don't like cuz you know what look just thinking about it right now like the A3 S3 RS3, mm-hmm. I think it look great. Yeah. Um A6, A7, A8 suit that new design. Maybe yeah. just the wider vehicle suits that new smaller front grille. Mm-hmm. R8 looks phenomenal. Yeah. Um so yeah, maybe it's just the A4 and A5. Yeah, and and what they did do well was the interior. The interior is phenomenal. I love it. Love On the it. Audis? Yeah. Oh my gosh, all of them with like the, with the standard quilted uh, like once you get into yeah. like the S lines, the quilted materials, really really nice. Yeah. Yeah, you feel like you're in a cockpit and they they struck that out of the park, yeah. but uh, yeah. A couple uh, other things just to note quickly at the auto show, they had the GT2 RS there, which mm-hmm. We have never forgotten about. We will talk about yes. it. It's just we're waiting to get more information about it and to, performance. To, yeah, to show up to talk about it more properly. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lincoln M- MKX series. Are you familiar with them? Those are their midsize SUVs, yeah. are they not? Yeah, they've nixed the MKX name, and mm-hmm. they're going with rather than like a numbering series like that, like MKX, MKZ. Mm-hmm. They're calling it the Nautilus. N a u t i l u s. I don't think that's going to work out for them. Well, because uh, I, every, every article that I've read about this Nautilus, mm-hmm. everyone's saying it's the right direction to go. Really? To Taking get rid of the MK? Get, yeah. I guess they, well, they, at the same time, they've had that uh, designation for over a decade, I feel. Yeah. Um, ever since they reinvigorated the Lincoln brand with more models. But uh, you know what? Maybe maybe it'll work for them. I just think that uh, Lincoln as a whole doesn't really excite me. So to give it a, a yeah, new no. and different, exciting name, maybe that's not the way to go. In my head, I think mm-hmm. to develop a, a a brand new and exciting vehicle, and then we'll talk. And and they did do something with the what they now call the Nautilus. That's been new since I think 2015. They had mm-hmm. updated big time, and to me, it well, looks it like was a, never the not. It was the MKX, MKX. but now it's yeah. To me, it was always an Audi Q5 uh, rip. It, it's it has same proportions as a Q5. It's going yeah. after that same style and. I think the MKX was around before the Q5, was it? It was, but not in that form. The right. old MKX was straight up a Ford Edge. It was a rebadged Ford Edge. Well, this is before they reinvigorated Ford Lincoln and, with... Yeah. But, Ford and Lincoln, they're one in the other. They're yes, the same thing. but what what Lincoln used to do, and you'll remember this, they would just rebadge Fords, like literally oh, yeah. re, like same body literally lines. Literally no difference in quality. Yeah. My dad had navigators for years. I think he had them... Like for ten years straight, different models, like different years of it. Yeah, 
literally just a Ford. Yeah. There's literally no difference. Mm-hmm. But uh, now what you see are distinctively different body lines. Like the, the MKX has, shares no body lines with the Ford Edge. They're just, they're just more, uh, they did have more lines, I think. Yes, sorry. It's different sheet metal. Yeah, that, yeah, that's what it comes down to. Um, so well, when they did that, I thought, okay, now they're invigorating the brand. They're actually coming out with something people might want to buy mm-hmm. other than people who just say, okay, I want a Ford Edge, but nicer. Uh, and, and I think that, yeah, keep doing more of that and then worry about the name. Right. Right. Get, maybe get maybe name. this name is something to kickstart that. Maybe. Yeah. Because looking at it now, it does not look anything like an MKX. Yeah. It looks it looks more like a, like the new Explorers kind of. Yeah. Um. But I don't know. It kind of it kind of looks new and more luxurious. Mm-hmm. But let's wait to sit inside and see because uh, Lincoln is not that great for interiors. Are you saying we should get uh, press passes to the Toronto Auto Show? When is that? Usually February, March. Yeah, February. Yeah. yeah. Um, cool. they had the the new Wranglers there, which we talked about a couple yeah, weeks ago. We really like those. Um, yeah, not much, and I think it's still going on. Yeah, I think they're still uh, they're probably doing press. Oh, they had the new uh, ZR1 convertible. Oh, geez, yes, huge departure yes, yes, for yes. ZR1 uh, culture. Never and had a convertible before. Now, stupid. I think it's dumb. It doesn't really fit in with the top performance. Like, I, you know what? The idea of oh, you can't make performance convertibles is an old one. You can make performance convertibles now. Technologies and and materials exist to make yep. convertibles just as rigid as as non convertibles. However, when you're talking about a, cor- a Corvette ZR1, mm-hmm. I just think who who's who's gonna want There's this no, vehicle? What's, in, the mar- what's the market there? Exactly in convertible form. What is this not it, supposed it, to be gonna, your hardcore? It's gonna attract the overweight man that says i want all the power but i want a convertible oh boy all right man you're just shots fired at everyone today it's been a long day yeah oh yeah me too i know um i ate apparently there's a concept release of a um an i8 roadster okay oh i did see that Uh that that sparked my my uh interest but honestly i ate again why like i get the idea of an i8 roadster because that will be the future of BMW's sports cars. You're how, how are you supposed to hear infancy. the exhaust? No, if the, if the roof is open, you can't hear the speakers. Very funny. It's true. You're seeing the infancy of BMW's future sports cars. So I give them a break. I think that they're going to they're putting together something solid, and offering it in roadster format just shows they're perfecting the the chassis to be able to remain structurally integral with with missing a roof. Mm-hmm. And that car is about it's it, honestly I think it it, sh- it it makes sense for a roadster. It's about that image, uh, you know, let's drive from France to Belgium and enjoy the, you know, that's what it's for. It's not it was never meant to be a hardcore track yeah. vehicle to begin with. So, that's what it's about. Would I buy one? Absolutely not. I'd rather have a, a hardtop M3. By hardtop, I mean not convertible by any means. Because the convertible of an M3 is indeed hardtop, which is gross. I, I yeah. prefer soft top convertibles to hard top anything. I think hard top is redundant. I think I prefer hard top if I were getting a convertible, like, which I So would we're not talking get. about like like the folding tops, like California. I think California does it California. Yeah, that that is the one exception for me. And maybe Mercedes uh S class convertibles. Sorry, not S class, SL. Porsche Carrera GT Anthony. Carrera, Carrera GT, GT? The OG hardtop convertible. Oh, Probably not the OG, here. but yeah, that, it that was a was manually lifting. Lifting, up. and that's different. There's no stupid mechanism that's got to fold your. I don't see anything wrong with hardtop convertibles as long as they do it right. Just a lot of weight. I don't get it. Sure, but you're all you're like. Think about it. 
What is that going to make a difference in the real world? Most of the hardtop convertibles I see, when you put a mechanism like that, it ruins the body lines of the vehicle. That's what I see. But if they do it well, why not? How many? A lot of the modern convertibles, you you can't even tell the difference. And give me an example. California. Like I said, California T or original California. California. Okay. I I have to look at it specifically. But at the same time, that car, it's more of a coupe than it is a convertible. What? So you'd rather see that soft top so so people can say, oh, well, yeah, well, that, just, that is a convertible. Like, a, let's talk about a 911 convertible. Like I a Targa? prefer that. No. Uh, Targa, yes. I love the Targa, but I like the 911 convertibles. I think that that little folding roof, even though it gives it a bit of a hump in the back, a little yeah. junk in the trunk, I think it looks nice. I, I like know. it. I just like the idea of hiding that it's a convertible. Yes, yes. And, and I will agree option. with you there. But I think that some cars can pull off convertibles pretty well. Corvette ZR1 not being one of them. Yeah. And, and end of story. End of story there. LA Auto Show flop. <laughs> ZR1. ZR1 flop. Oh, ZR1 convertible. Sorry, ZR1 convertible flop, but I think you and I both aren't really big fans of the new ZR1 anyway. No, 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 yeah, I, I like yeah, the old ZR1. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like the way it sounds. Go buy a Mustang EcoBoost instead. Okay, take it easy there. <laughs> take it easy there, uh, boyo. Um, but I do like the way it sounds. And I think that wraps up car talk yeah. for now uh on to watch talk oh hold on did you see the interior Uh-oh. of the cls i uh, yes i did so ugly it's well, like it's like it a was s class crappy version of the s class yeah it was very s class e which i guess you're buying a cls if you can't afford an s class mm-hmm. man i thought we were done talking about cars i was excited to start talking about watches uh we can move on we'll end it um yeah that's okay. it i think we're good in the car segment did and we miss anything probably we probably, list, probably missed, missed a lot of information. Heck of a lot, but it's really um, you guys are listening to what matters to us, not what matters yeah, to everyone else. Yeah, it's just about us, and that's yeah, it. And we're just the most important people you're listening to today. Uh, okay. So your boss has has nothing on us, or your parents or boss. Why? But I'm just saying, like, like to to the viewers, their boss. Their what parents. if your boss is your parent? Wow, Mikey. <laughs> Wonder who you're talking about there. Uh, but uh, anyway, on to watches. Yeah. Wristwatch check. I mean, deja vu. Deja vu, yeah. I'm wearing the trusty SKX. And I'm still wearing the Oris. Well, these are both our dailies. And we were, it's not my daily. Okay, sorry. But these are like, it's I wear just, this it's, at it's, work. It's been nine days actually since I've worn this watch. And oh. it just so happened to follow fall on the podcast. Day. Oh, okay. Well, anytime that you ca- you guys catch me recording a podcast after work, I'll be wearing the SKX. I mean. Because I have no other watch that I have in a daily rotation right now. May as well. Yeah. Um, and actually speaking of watches, mm-hmm. one of us have purchased a version of this watch before that you're about to talk about. Oh yes. Yes, that's right. And we've actually talked about a version of this watch in yes. the past. Yes. We, we have gotten excited about this watch. And of course the watch that we are speaking about here in, in very confusing ways is the Swatch System 51. Um, for those of you who listened to our podcast before religiously, cause you're Uber fans, shout out to our three subscribers. We love you guys. Um, the Swatch system 51 is a new, uh, relatively new it came out in 2015 and in the grand scheme of the watch world. Very new. Yes, of course. Watches and have been around for so long. Yes. And it's Swatch's um, way of, of putting new, uh, forms it's, of it's their rev- revolutionary yeah. design in 
watch mechanics and and on mechanical automatic watches of course swatch if you guys uh follow them you'll know that they did revolutionize the quartz uh, swiss quartz industry when they released their original swatch watches back in uh, the 80s swatch is actually an amalgamation of many swiss companies that came together mm-hmm. and said you know what let's not let the 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 quartz movements from the far east take over we can put together a quartz uh watch that is inexpensive it's a you know affordable. It goes with your with different outfits. You can collect them, and so they released the original Swatch watch. Which, if you if anyone is out who's out there was a, was alive during the eighties, you either knew about the watch or owned one of the watch uh, one of these Swatch watches because they were literally everywhere. Um, and with the System Fifty One, they're doing something similar. They're offering a very affordable product at a very good price. Um, and, and part of me thinks that that is to, to maybe counter some of the mechanical movements that are again, coming out of the far East. Um, so what we see here, the system 51 is they're revolutionizing how they build automatic watches. Um, 95% of the production is done by computers. They're trying to take human intervention out of it as much as they can. Uh, and it's a fantastic watch. We've spoken before about the build quality, about Mm -hmm. the design. It's the system 51 is an interesting piece. And it's definitely a uh, for the money. I think one of the top. Uh, yeah, they're, they're watches out there. Very. I I won't say. Uh, I guess cheap isn't the right word, but mm-hmm. inexpensive. Inexpensive for sure. Yeah. I mean, if you if you're if you're into that style, then you are you're getting a fantastic mm-hmm. piece for the money. Yep. Um, why we're talking about it again is because Hodinkee, uh, who is known for their collaborations with uh, with different watch companies. It has collaborated with the Swatch Group to offer a System 51 Hodinkee Vintage 84 edition. And what all that means is Hodinkee uh, got together with the Swatch Group, uh, took a standard System 51 and designed a dial and case for it. Um, And uh, they've titled it the Vintage 84. What that stands for, the dial is an homage to a 1984 catalog uh, swatch watch it sort of has a diver aesthetic to it you got the the big loomed um, points uh, no no numerals on them just points and uh, you got a little date there at the bottom so Hodinkee here is again like I said they've they've come together with swatch to design this watch and I'm a huge fan of it beyond just the aesthetics of the watch I mean you know that I have a love for divers yep um, but I also like is this considered a diver it's not considered a diver but it has the aesthetics on the dial of a diver even okay. the original the the yeah, watch that it's that. a homage to right was it had a diver aesthetic mm-hmm. um, but what what really appeals to me about this watch there are a couple things it's price point number one. Oh my gosh yeah yeah like 100 it's a hundred they didn't even increase the price um, but it also represents to me a coming together of of two big uh, forces in my life, Hodinkee and the the Swatch Group, mm-hmm. and let me explain what that and, means. And bringing something affordable because usually mm-hmm. Hodinkee's collaborations are quite expensive. Yeah, like in the like in the tens, tens of, of thousands. 20s, yeah, yeah, like you know, really stuff that's unattainable, and that's why yeah. there's a wait list for this one. Right. It's, yeah, Hodinkee reaches you know, hundreds of thousands of watch enthusiasts. So when they offer something as uh, affordable and accessible mm-hmm. as this, they're going to be eaten up right away. Right. And this is by no means limited production. They probably pump like 50 of these out an hour, uh, especially with all the computer with the technology that they yeah. have. Yeah. But uh, what, what really, what really appeals to me about this watch 
Um, I I like vintage things, you know, from the get go. Mm-hmm. So this is, is an homage to a vintage Swatch watch. And why do I like Swatch? I like that they revolutionized the the quartz watch game with the Swat with the original Swatch right. watch. And this is an homage to it. On top of that, it includes the System 51, which is their new revolution. Right. Uh, and it's a collaboration with Hodinkee, which is a, you know, I, I, I regard them as a, as a watch own, authority. Yeah. yeah. So this is just, it's one piece that has so many different things. And Mikey, you know how much I love watches that have a story to them. Yep. This is another watch that tells a story. Yeah. It tells a story of, uh, uh, of it's, a, it's a revolutionary piece inside of a, you know, the, the idea of it's inside of a plastic mm-hmm. case. Um, when Swatch met up with Hodinkee, they actually said, would you like this in a in, in the steel System 51? Uh, and they said, no, that's not what the, that's not what the original Swatch watch was about. It's not what the System 51 is about. It's about accessibility uh, and, and just being its own piece. Right. So that's what I like about this thing. It's different. I can treat it as a daily. I'm not going to baby it. Um, but it, it represents to me just so many cool things about it. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, I thought that was really cool. And I definitely will be joining the wait. List. I'm already on the wait. Yeah, list, you're on the wait list. But uh, who knows when, when I'll be taking delivery. But get ready to hear a whole thing about that as soon as I obtain my Swatch watch. Well said. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, I don't know. It's It's an interesting look. I can't wrap my head around it. Um, I did purchase a system 51, the original yeah. one, mm-hmm. not for myself as a gift. Um, but I don't know. I, I like the technology behind it. That's what does yeah. it for me. Yeah. The advancement in the technology and that's just me. Anything with tech attracts me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I definitely see, I see why. And if I'm not mistaken, the system 51 you originally purchased was the one that was not serviceable. Right. Those ones you sort of use until they stop keeping time yeah, and they're dispose. Yeah. Um, but now these ones, these new ones are serviceable. Yes. Um, they have, they have, a, uh, that is definitely an advantage yeah. of the new ones. Yeah. So, I mean, I just think that Hodinkee knocked it out of the park with their design and, and the fact that Swatch, uh, understood the importance Hodinkee plays in the modern watch enthusiast game. Mm-hmm. They knew what they were doing with this. And, uh, you know, for someone like me who who appreciates the story behind it and and what this watch represents, the coming together of these worlds, right? I they they caught me hook, line, and sinker. They yeah. they they knew who they were targeting. So it'll be. I think it'll be a cool addition to to my collection, mm-hmm. as you can call it. And I think um, talking about the System Fifty One can lead us right into the next part of our watch uh, segment. Uh, because you know we were trying to think of what could we get the watch lover for Christmas this year, a couple mm-hmm. of stocking stuffers. And as you were explaining the system fifty one, you can get them a system fifty one as a stocking stuffer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, disp- I mean, it, it is one hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, that is a good chunk of money. But to w- what what this watch is, mm-hmm. someone could definitely appreciate it if they didn't know the price. They're gonna see a plastic watch. I mean, they're going to see an automatic movement, but let's be honest, it's not a decorated automatic movement. Well, to it's, the average person, yeah, someone that sees this will say, oh, well, it's a, it's a plastic watch. Exactly. Like, okay, cool. Yeah, but, but what you'd be getting them is actually a, a, a really important piece of horological culture. So, And even when, when I bought my brother the, um, the System 51 for Christmas years back when it originally came out, mm-hmm. that's exactly what happened. 
he looked at it and said, well, what, what is this? Yeah. And I explained it to him. And just a couple of weeks ago, I said, hey, you still have that, that Swatch watch that I gave you? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, I, I want it back because I'll wear it. And he said, no, no, I wear it. There oh, there you go. you go. Yeah. I mean, it, and even even I, I'm sure I've seen the exact model that you got him. But yep. uh, just the one that I always see from the, orig- the original uh, System mm-hmm. 51, it's a very interesting looking piece. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's got those red dots that mark where the jewels are in the movement. Right. Um, I think that's that's just, it's characteristic of it. And even the Hodinkee uh, collaboration has that. Yeah. Very, very interesting looking. And especially the original one was very futuristic looking as well. It really, I think, resembled how revolutionary this, this watch was for the time. But uh, like you said... Maybe we can move on to uh, some other stocking stuffers. Yeah. Uh, so we have here five stocking stuffers for the watch en- enthusiasts. Sorry, in your life, uh, aka yourself, because let's be honest, unless you're married to another watch enthusiast, or you and your maybe siblings are watch enthusiasts, stuff we're talking about today are definitely things you've thought about buying for yourself. And the reason is that they're they're just really accessible. Uh, all, all five things on these lists can be had, and we're talking about good quality products here. They can be had for you know the the sub one hundred dollar mm-hmm. mark. Yeah, and I don't think we're going to talk about specific brands no, and whatnot. No, no. Um, obviously, some of these things they can be very low low, uh, low prices. Exactly. Some can be extremely high. Exactly. But they're available. Available for everywhere. At an I mean, price. Amazon, eBay. But uh, you know, in in our own experience, I mean, I I will I will be mentioning some uh, websites I've used uh, just because the service is really good. Um, but uh, so yeah, I guess we'll start with uh, our first of our top five stocking stuffers mm-hmm. for the watch enthusiasts: tool, a uh, watch tool slash cleaning kit. Oh uh, um, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and basically cool. what we're talking about here: watch tools are spring bar tools. Um, uh, tools to remove pins yep. in in uh, metal bands, um, tools for removing the case back if if you are if, you, if need adventurous be. and decide to remove a case yeah. back tools, for our, for our quartz watch owners exactly to replace a battery exactly um, and cleaning kit uh, really my cleaning kit is a sensitive uh, tooth toothbrush mm-hmm. like it's a toothbrush designed yeah. for sensitive teeth um, and baby uh, baby soap. Oh really? Yeah, because the the soap isn't so strong that it, w- it won't remove any right. No chemical or anything. Exactly. It's just very basically when you're talking about watches, typically are are like jewelry. You have to clean right. them, get all the oils and and dirt out of them mm-hmm. to keep them looking good. And you want to do that with a non irritant uh, right. form of uh, you know. Yeah, you don't want cleaning. you don't want, you don't want, you don't want to ruin the materials. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, for a cleaning kit, I mean that that works. It won't be so nice if your uh, significant other or your uh, your what do you call them what do you call a gift receiver your gift recipient doesn't sure. want to pull a, a thing of baby soap and a toothbrush out of their stuff. sure but uh you will i'm sure there are kits online for for cleaning watches and probably ones that are sold with watch toolkits so yeah. that was our first one second one is is something that i think is very important for any watch enthusiast new straps Ooh, yes and and that's something that might be that may be like um, a preference. Yes. Um, yeah. Because obviously it does change the look of the watch. Mm-hmm. But it's a good idea to allow someone to to divert, uh, diversify for sure. Ooh. And I mean, a new strap can can make a watch that you're tired of. It could totally revamp mm-hmm. it. You can, and that's one thing that I I love about it is 
it's, I mean, I've modified cars before. I've modified lots of different things, but modifying the watch. Yes, we won't get into that now. But uh, modifying a, a watch by changing the strap is is so nice because it's very, it's fairly simple and you can really bring back to life the same enjoyment you had when you first got that watch mm-hmm. just by doing something as simple as changing the strap. And it right. could be putting a, a, a watch that's usually on a bracelet onto a leather or from a leather to a NATO or Zulu. It, it really is one of the best bang for your buck, um, you know, watch the uh, upgrades. Yep. Um, so definitely we recommend that. And in my own experience, uh, I've used crown and buckle. Um, they offer straps sub a hundred dollars. Straps are a little bit difficult, especially if you get into the leathers or the bracelets, you're going to see them a lot, a lot of times, especially if you go on the Kodinkis shop, for mm-hmm. example, over a hundred dollars, but you can get good quality stuff from crown and buckle right. color which is a, uh, an Italian watch, mm-hmm. uh, manufacturer. The only thing is the, the shipping times maybe longer. For yeah. Them. And I was just going to mention something about something more uh, closer to, to the Toronto area, mm-hmm. um, NATO strap collections. Mm-hmm. We've both had some experience with them and, and, and Excellent experience. I yeah, think. very good. Uh, very their their customer service is fantastic, and mm-hmm. uh, and we I mean we both love the the straps that came with yep. with uh, we, that we got from them. Um, so shout out to them. They did a, a really good job uh, with basically the the shipping the the whole experience is yeah. really good. Um, and you can catch them on Instagram at NATO Strap Collections. Yeah, yeah. Go check them out. You there might as well if you're in the Toronto area. Yeah, great uh, product. Yeah, fantastic for for the for the cost as well. Yep, uh, and Canadian. So we want to give a shout out to any yeah. Canadians. Help the Canadian market. Mm-hmm. The third one that we have here is a little bit of a. Uh, it's I guess a personal preference for me and Mikey. Mm-hmm. Butterfly clasps. Ooh, yes. And bolt action spring bars. Okay. So to so I guess we'll start with the butterfly clasp. Yeah. If you have a leather, if you have leather straps, mm-hmm. um, you will know that they wear very easily over time, especially where the where the buckle goes through the strap. It feeds through, yeah. You have to you have to bend it in weird ways. You're relying on that little uh, pin to go through the hole. Sometimes it misses, it pinches it. So a butterfly clasp sort of gets rid of all of that. Uh, all of that wear it just keeps keeps it. In, it keeps its life. Yeah, it keeps it original and. Yeah, and it's it's they're really sim- simple to operate too, and they keep a nice tight, snug fit mm-hmm. every single time. Yeah, um, and and a and a better fit because yeah. with, with the with the traditional leather strap, you are you're limited to the the hole locations, exactly. right? Yeah. With the butterfly clasp, you can adjust and and as you please. Exactly, leather will stretch over time as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I find with with the watches that I've, I've had in the past, they seem to slip, and mm-hmm. you can never get it back. Yeah. You have to buy, either buy a new strap or butterfly clasp. Exactly. Uh, and so they're, they're fantastic. And to you can really install a butterfly clasp on any leather strap oh, yeah. um, or even a cloth strap if, if you find yourself in the, you know, owning one. Mm-hmm. Um, but you will most likely need a uh, pin removal tool yeah. to hammer that out. Right. Um, just because that's usually what they're held in by. And uh, along with that, we also put here the bolt action spring bar. So uh, my Ming came with three straps that have this bolt action spring bar. And what this does, it allows you to remove the strap by by compressing the spring bar with a little pin located on the backside of the strap. A little bit difficult to explain, but believe me, it's the most simple thing to use. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why every watch strap doesn't come with these. They are, they're fantastic. You know, the the whole thing is that leather straps being interchangeable 
you know, keeps the watch fun, keeps it playful and having a, that little, uh, bolt action spring bar, uh, allows you to do it on the fly. You can literally wake up in the morning. You're already running late. Ooh, give me two minutes. Let me put my, uh, my new, um, my new Mm -hmm. straps on. And that's something that if you're using a spring bar and you're not, you know, uh, a watch uh, maker using the, trying to remove a strap with a spring bar tool it can, be, can be very frustrating and it can take an insane amount and of time. And you can easily ruin the material yeah. as well. Oh, you can ruin the material. You can ruin your lugs by yep. scratching it with a spring bar. This is just a quick, easy way. And like I said, I don't know why they, they all don't come this way. Mm-hmm. But if you can find uh, a strap that comes with a bolt action spring bar, I think any watch lover will immediately fall in love yep. with ease of use. Uh, our fourth stocking stuffer is a travel case. Um, in my own personal experience, my Ming watch came with a nice little leather fold-up uh, travel roll. case. Yeah, the roll. It's not really a roll. It's more of just like a leather pouch. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've fold. seen it. Right, right. But my Tissot, when it came back from warranty, came in a nice hard shell case, almost like something you'd see for a set of headphones. Okay. Um, but much smaller, of course. That was kind of cool. And you can fit two watches in there mm-hmm. on this little roll that's that's tucked inside. Right. So that I thought that was kind of cool. The roll you're talking about, maybe you want to give them a little bit more of a in-depth. Well, it's really just like a flat piece of usually leather, mm-hmm. uh, any type of leather. Uh, we've got suede. There's your standard leather. Mm-hmm. Um, and what it does is you literally just have the, I think you, the way it works is the watch is flat and you just roll it. Oh, okay. I think. How hmm. else would it work? I, I was thinking maybe you. Oh, okay. You I actually see. put them as if it's a fake wrist. No, you just no. It's that's not the way it works. So they actually just sit in. They so they'll just slip into a pocket. Okay, and then they roll the same way I did. Oh, like I, how I said. Interesting. Um, kind of not the ideal way. I don't think. It, unless you have a very specific pouch to store all these, if you're traveling, right. then then maybe. But I kind of like my hard shell case. For example, I'm going to Florida in a little under a month, um, mm-hmm. and I will be definitely utilizing the hard shell. I won't be utilizing the the carrying travel case yeah. that came with the Ming just because it doesn't offer the same protection. Mm-hmm. You know, this travel case can that that um, that uh, Tissot sent me can fall on the ground, and the watch is totally fine inside. Right, it's a hard shell, so it doesn't really yeah. you know does, and it absorbs stores away impact. easily too. Exactly, yeah. So I'll be using that to. Uh, I haven't. I, well, that'll be probably a topic for next week. Which watch I'm choosing to bring. Which watch is probably only two? I'll be choosing to bring on my uh, on my vacation. Mm-hmm. That'll be interesting. And the final, the fifth, f- the final stocking stuffer for the watch. Enthusiast. In my opinion, not really a stuffer. Yeah, not something you can really fit into a stocking, but still uh, fairly inexpensive and and something I think any watch enthusiast will be able to appreciate is a coffee table book. Uh, and what those are, if you're not aware, if you if you're not if you're new to coffee table books. Um, you know, interior decorators tend to use these more, uh, and you'll see them in, in very well decorated houses. They're, they're just books that sit on coffee tables and they're meant for light reading. If you're, if your guests are over or they're waiting yep. and they're bored and what they are, what they are, are books, uh, that are filled with really professional taken photos and, and, uh, little they're blurbs. Books that you can quickly skim through and look at nice exactly. pictures, essentially. Yeah, that's really all they're for. They're not meant for in-depth reading. It's just something to, to mm-hmm. occupy your time. And what is really nice about, uh, the watch, uh, I mean, watch companies that have released these coffee table books is they're, you know, they're great, uh, concise little packages that, uh, are full of, you know, photos of mm-hmm. horror cultural icons. Yep. Uh, so it, they're pretty cool. And uh, 
I have a couple of books that have come with the watches I've purchased and they're very nifty. I, I tend to keep them with the cases because they, they sort of fit inside my, like the cases that the watches were shipped in. Um, but I've always thought of, you know, maybe putting together a little watch library, something I can look through when I'm bored. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously the advent of the internet sort of means that you don't need to look into these things, right. but the whole idea of a, of a coffee table book is just something to have out there uh, for guests or for people. And it's a good conversation starter at the mm-hmm. same time. Yeah. So the fact that they're out there and they're fairly inexpensive, definitely something for the watch enthusiasts, we think. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, on that very festive note, I think that might end our podcast for this week. I think we're going to wrap that one up. Mm-hmm. So thank you all for listening. Actually, uh, before we go. Ooh, oh, some surprising uh, updates. Something, something we've never talked about. Are you ready? I am ready for this, Michael. If you guys don't know, if you, most of you are catching us on SoundCloud, we are actually available on iTunes. That is right. We've never announced where we're available. Yeah, you know what? That's that's kind of redundant uh, for the, for this kind of format. We're yeah, like you said, available on iTunes and SoundCloud, right? Uh, both under the name Time Lapse. That's T I M E L A P S, which you would know because podcast. Time that's right, Time Lapse Podcast. Uh, so if you're looking where to find us now, there yep. are two available so, available sources. And add us on Instagram. We will be uh, yeah, Instagram uploading. and Twitter. Both uh, handles are at Time Lapse Podcast. Everything's Time Lapse Podcast. You can catch us anywhere. And time lapse podcast is everything. Um, we're not too active on the Instagram. We'll, we'll, we'll get, be, we'll, yeah, we'll that's there. our New Year's resolution. So have faith in us, guys. We're gonna we're gonna pull through for you. All right, I think that's it. Yeah, you good. Good night, and thank you for listening.